Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. So we're going to have a wonderful afternoon filled with community and fellowship. And I thought, what better day to teach on community than today? Um, I want to talk about community, how we are called, and how we need each other. Um, but this isn't a message about loneliness or how to fill your own void, although if you're lonely, you will find very good information in today's message. Um, it's not a message about how to find a spouse, although we're going to start with Genesis 2.18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. When, just think about this for a second. God created the world. The Bible says that he looked and said it was good. Not just like, eh, it's good. How's your day going? Good. No. He looked down and said that what he had created was amazing. He had created a perfect world. And he put his creation of humanity on it. And then he said, it is not good that we be alone. And he, we know the story. It says he literally, he took Adam's rib. Now, I went and looked at that word. The Bible does say that he, he took a rib and he replaced the flesh around it. So I do believe that he took a piece. But it, that word for rib isn't our word for rib like the bone. That word is a rib. It's a side. It can be a plank or a board or the leaf in like a door or a table. It is a part, a, a side. God literally disassembled He made humanity, then he disassembled humanity and reassembled it in parts. He wanted us to be together to be complete. Now, that's not saying that every single person has to be married because we see scriptures where the Bible talks about people being anointed to live a single life. Not every person has to be married, but every person does need to be in community. No man... No woman was created an island. The best-selling Christian book, not including the Bible, the Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but the best-selling Christian literature was the book, The Purpose Driven Life. And it starts with the statement, you you, you buy the book because you're wondering what is life about, And the very first statement that the book makes is, it is not about you. When we talk about community, it's not about you. However, this is where it gets tricky and convoluted. Proverbs 11.24 says, One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. It's not about you, but when it's not about you, that's when you get everything that's about you. You see, when we make it about others, that's when we succeed. There is a principle 
in the Bible of, called sowing and reaping. The more that you give, the more that you get. Now, I'm going to say a word that in today's society has been getting a bad rap. Capitalism. What do you think of when you hear that word? Nobody wants to say anything. So, these days, capitalism, and if you watch you know, popular recently made movies, capitalism, they assign that, they equate that with greed. And capitalism has been equated with greed. However, capitalism, statistically, is responsible for raising more people out of poverty than anything else. Why? What is capitalism? Capitalism is the enabling of the individual to sow and reap. The farmer, who is a capitalist, the more, he plant, the more people he feeds, the more he gets paid. Now, if he was a serf, he could plant and plant and plant and plant, and the more he planted, the more people he fed, the more the king got rich, and he stayed the same. It was like a glorified slavehood. Communism, I'm going to say this. Communism, when you read it, just sounds amazing. It's awesome. Take from those who have, give equally to everyone, and including the ones who had it, but also those who didn't have it. Here's the, here's the problem. It divorces the harvest from the planting. And it, it interferes, it intercepts the harvest from the one who plants. It says, you planted, but you don't get to harvest. We harvest. And those who didn't plant harvest. And those who plant don't receive any blessing for having planted. It is if you, if you read the Communist Manifesto, you will just be like, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if that was true, if that would happen? But it's not. Because it, the Bible says this. It says, God is not mocked. A man reaps whatever he sows. God says, if you try to divorce harvest from planting, you are mocking God. God says, I want to bless those who plant. But we don't just plant seeds in the ground. We plant into other people's lives. We plant all over. There's so many different things that we sow. And the Bible says that when you give, you will receive. When, when we start thinking about, like, three years ago, it would have been hard to imagine what would church like, like with, look like without church. And then we canceled it. I say we as a society. We, they, we canceled everything. Don't go to school. Don't go to church. Don't go to work if you don't have to. Just everything. And... Online church became a big thing. We have a lot of people who join us online. Is it wrong? No. Is it bad? No, it's awesome. But there are some things that the Bible teaches us that, to do that we can't do by ourselves. And I want to talk 
about some of those things. We're called to do unto others, to plant into others. And as I pointed out at the beginning, yes, that will benefit everyone else, but it's going to benefit you. See, it is when we benefit others that we most benefit. That's the irony and the reason why every single place that communism has been tried, it has failed. But when you tell people, hey, I encourage you, go out there, find somebody who you can serve, plant more food so that they can eat, wash their car, um, clean their house, fix their electrical lines, put plumbing into their home, whatever. The more people you serve, the more blessed you'll become. In a similar way, we're going to see over and over and over and over and over in various areas of our lives, the more we do for others, the more we end up being blessed. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. What can I... Here's the thing. If I'm by myself, who do I forgive? Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Matthew 6.14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Here's the thing. Why do I forgive somebody else? I mean, society has told us, you forgive those who earned it. You know what? They did you wrong. Should you forgive them? Well, maybe. What have they done to make up for it? How sorry are they? How how authentic is their apology but the bible says you forgive not because they earned it but you forgive because he forgave you and you're reacting to his forgiveness and then did you catch what it said there but if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive you your sins does that sound a little bit like if i sow forgiveness i reap forgiveness if I am an island if I am staying out of community if I am avoiding others how do I fulfill the scripture that says forgive one another love you realize you don't love by yourself love one another John 3 34 and 30 uh, John 13 34 says a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another it also says that in John 15 12 and Romans uh, 13 8 and first Thessalonians 3 12 and first Thessalonians 4 9 and first Peter 1 2 22 first John 3 11 first John 4 7 first John 4 11 and second John 5 I won't read all of them but they all say love one another in fact the phrase one another occurs 100 times in the new testament 59 of those occurrences are specific commands teaching us how and how not to relate to each other 
One another requires another. When it says love one another, that word implies reciprocity. When it says love one another, it says you're going to love them, they love you. Forgive one another, you're going to forgive, they're going to forgive. It, it requires that we're doing this together in tandem in community. So, well, for the next 20-something minutes, we're going to look at many of those 59 one another's. And we're just going to look, what is it? What can I do or can I not do by myself? You can be a Christian. You can give in the offering. But if you are not engaged in community, you can't one another. This, these are the commands that require we be a part of community. John 13, 34, I read it. Love one another as I have loved you. And I gave you the list. There's a whole bunch more. Then, through love, in Galatians 5.13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Be free! When, when you and I think of be free. Just imagine a commercial and the theme of that commercial is be free. What are they going to show us? Oh, they're going to show us um, a bunch of people not at work, right? Probably not with kids. You know, they're just going to be like bounding out there in the great outdoors on the beach doing something out there, we have this idea, our society celebrates freedom as the lack of service. I have no one I need to serve. If I'm serving my boss, well, then I'm not free. If I'm serving my children, well, I'm not free. Don't get me started about serving my spouse. I absolutely recognize that there have been imbalances historically for sure. Men and women have not been treated the same. And I'm grateful that women have risen and have opportunity. They didn't have, I mean, to think about the fact that women couldn't vote, what, 100 years ago or less? That's crazy. But this idea that my freedom means I never serve isn't biblical. This is what the Bible says. My brothers and sisters, you were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. God says, your freedom will benefit you the most when you choose to use it to serve each other. How many parents do I have in here? Okay, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but don't you just hate helping your kids? Oh! Man, when they need something, want something, ugh. No. As parents, we're grateful for the opportunity to help our kids. I mean, there are moments at 3 a.m. when they come in and say that they just threw up all over the place and you got to get up and, and, and pull out the, the vacuum and the wet vac and you're, that isn't my favorite moment of service. But you know what? 
I am a more fulfilled, better person for having each of my six kids. My service to them has fulfilled me in ways I would never have been fulfilled had I never had children. The Bible says that we serve one another, that we love one another. And basically, the Bible just, just articulated that the greatest use of freedom, the most fulfilling use of freedom, and I've talked about this before, statistics show the most happy people are not the ones who have the most money. There are tons of millionaires who are miserable, but consistently, sociologists find that people who serve purposes outside of themselves and serve others are the most content, fulfilled, and happy individuals on the face of the planet. Why? Because they have followed the biblical principle of loving one another. Ephesians 4.2 says, tolerate one another in love. How many of you love to tolerate? We're commanded to. Greet one another with a, a kiss of love. That's a cultural way of greeting someone with love. Lived in Mexico for a long time. That was more common there. Be devoted to one another in love. Mark 950 says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves. Be at peace with each other. Our peacefulness, the way that we treat each other, the way that we don't get overly irritated at the differences between each other is what makes us stand out to the world. I said it a few weeks ago. When you react differently than what was expected, that's when your light shines the brightest. Your testimony as a Christian, the love of God shines through you the most when you don't get irritated just like everybody else does when you're mistreated, when you turn the other cheek, when you don't take the vengeance that you're due. John 6, 43 says, don't grumble one with, among one another. Romans 12, 16 and 15, 5 say, be of the same mind with one another. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. How many of you remember junior high? Junior high is famous because that's when we as people begin to explore our individuality and we're faced with the question, is who I am something or someone that will be accepted by everyone else? Some people as adults still struggle with, am I accepted? Will I be accepted? Can I be accepted? Should I be accepted? The Bible tells us that we are to accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. What happens when we accept people in their flawed states? The Bible says that it brings glory to God. 
Do you realize if you are home alone and not a part of any community, you don't have anybody to accept? You and I are called to live slightly messy lives. We are called to be in community. And notice something, that the community, have you, have you noticed this one another stuff? It's not all like, and hold one another's hand, and, and, and float about with one another, and may everything go perfectly with one another. No, it's forgive, tolerate, accept, put up with, forgive again and again and again. God says, what's gonna set you apart isn't how far apart you are. It's how you function when you're together and you forgive each other and you tolerate each other and you accept each other and you, you say, you know what? Yeah, you're taller than me, you're shorter than me, you're older than me, you're younger than me, you're, you're different than I am, but welcome. Welcome to Res Life Church where you're welcome. Accept one another, just as Christ accepted you. Just like forgiveness, I don't accept them because they're so perfect. I accept them because even in my flawed self, I was accepted. I don't forgive them because they're perfect. I forgive them because I was forgiven. 1 Corinthians 11.33 says, wait for one another before the Eucharist. Some, I look at some of this stuff and I feel like God is down, looking down at us like a parent. And that's like me with my kids. Wait for each other. Don't take the food before they could get to it. Come on, wait. Like God is just looking down at, at a bunch of his kids saying, hey, get along. Galatians 5.15. All right, as, as a parent, how many of you ever said things that you were just like, I never thought that would have to come out of my mouth? Just weird stuff. You know, don't feed the dirty diaper to the dog. Don't, you know, you're like, why did I have to utter that word? You know, please, get the frog and the snake off the table, please. You're like, what? Here's one, Galatians 5.15. Don't bite or devour each other. Now, it is talking figuratively, but when I saw that, I still had a chuckle. Like, God's looking down, and he says, oh, don't do that. Galatians 5.26, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Again, as I read these, I don't get the picture of a perfect, you know, euphoric community of perfect people no. Don't, do, you, do you see the same thing I'm seeing? Like, all of this stuff about put up with people's flaws, accept them, don't, don't nag at each other, be, Ephesians 4.32, be kind-hearted, forgiving to one another. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Seek good for one another and do not repay evil for evil. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.15, it says, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. If we pay back wrong for wrong, it escalates. 
You know what? You irritate me, so I irritate you back. And I irritated you, so you irritate me back. And then you have this downward cycle that just keeps getting more and more hostile. And the Bible says, wrong answer. Here's the thing. Why didn't God just make us content to be on our own and keep us apart? If we cause so much stress when we're together, why, did he, why didn't he just make us so that we would be happy apart? Why did he make us in the first place? He made us for fellowship. Do people on their deathbed think to themselves, I wish I'd have just watched one more movie. I didn't finish my Netflix series. I wish I had one more zero on my bank account. I wish, no. When we're forced to consider the value of our life, we think about our relationships. I wish I'd spent more time with so-and-so. I hope that so-and-so knows that I love them, that I care for them. So many people's famous words are, tell my kids I love them, tell my spouse my love, I love them. When something, if they're, you know, facing death down, whether because of an injury or in war or whatever, what do they want? They want relationship. Why? Because we naturally in those moments recognize that is where the greatest value of our life is at. That is where the most fulfillment comes from our lives, is relationship. The reason God says, I want you to practice tolerating, putting up, forgiving, just not being a bristly cactus of a person. Why? Because it's going to be better for you. Oh yeah, it's better for them too, because then they don't have to poke into all of your bristles, but I'm not doing this just for them. I'm doing this for you too. You're going to benefit. Don't pay back wrong for wrong. Don't complain against one another. James 4.11 and 5.9. Over and over, it's dealing with other people's faults and shortcomings. John, 1 John 4.20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Here, here it is. God says, I want you to learn to be loving, accepting, tolerant, friendly, kind, unabrasive, welcoming towards other people. In essence, I want you to treat others with love. Because if you can't do that, you can't even love me. Again, what we think we're doing for others, God says is really going to benefit you. You will benefit. Think about that for a second. Why does God want us to be good at loving difficult people? Because if you can't love a difficult person, you can't love a perfect God. Because love isn't about receiving perfection. Love is about preferring and giving. And when you can love in spite of imperfections, then you're doing it right. Does that make sense? True love is selfless. True love isn't about receiving perfect treatment from that other person. True love is that feeling you have towards your, your infant child 
who has not done a single nice thing to you yet. And all you want to do is give, help, nurture, protect, provide. What have they done for you? Woken you up at night, peed on you, pooped, required your attention at all these times when it was incredibly inconvenient, put a serious damper on your social life. But you know what? You love them. You truly love them. It's not because of what they're giving you. That's love. And God says, if you think you love me, but you can't tolerate any imperfection anywhere else, then what you feel towards me, that's not love because that there is conditional selfishness. And that's not what love is. Yes, you can love a perfect God, but it will be evident in your ability to love imperfect people. And if you have not developed the capacity to overlook flaws in others and give not requiring perfection in return, then you have not developed that love muscle and it won't work even towards a perfect God. Because you'll still be looking at God in a selfish way, not in an admiring, not in a loving, not in a giving way. Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. The first, however many I've looked over, well, there was a bunch on love, there were a bunch on unity. Now there's a bunch that seem to have the theme of, of humility. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Philippians 2.3. Galatians 5.13, I already read, was serving one another. Using your freedom to serve. John 13.14. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. All right. How many of you have ever been a part of a church service foot washing? <laughs> Here's the thing. My feet are incredibly clean compared to Bible feet. Think about it for a second. They lived in a society where their footwear was usually open. So sandals, things like that. They also lived in a society where cattle, donkeys, Animals were transportation. And they just, how many of you ever visited Mackinac Island before? And they have like a much more sophisticated cleanup service system than, than they had back in the Bible. But you mean the, the animals are leaving droppings like the size of your head in the middle of the road. And then they wet it down with their other gift to the passageway. And you're walking around in sandals. Stepping in that. There's so much of it, you can't avoid it. You are literally walking in manure and urine mud all day, every day. And then the Bible says, wash each other's feet. What does he mean by that? Here's what I think he means by that. When you wash someone's feet, you're not just simply saying, I'm willing to serve you with something that you might happen to need. Okay, because I could comb their hair. 
could serve them lunch. No, he said wash their feet. Their feet were literally the dirtiest, ugliest, most repugnant part of them. And then God said, go stick your face in that. The dirtiest, ugly, I don't, I am, I am thinking back to the years that I would spend in my summers in Mexico in the mountains, and there were some, some folks there that had lived their whole life wearing huaraches. You know what a huarache is? Here in Holland, it's a delicious Mexican restaurant up there on the north side. But a huarache is a, a Mexican sandal. And I'm, I'm picturing this guy, his feet were like, he had like funguses under every single thing, toenail. They were all like weird looking, like, I don't know, I just, I don't know if I can even describe it and keep you in your seats, okay? We are having a picnic later, we're going to have to eat, you don't want to hear about this. But his feet had been walking dirt paths in sandals for his whole life. They didn't look anything like the feet that I'm sure you guys are hiding under your socks. And Jesus said, that's what I want you to do. I want you to engage with the ugliest, dirtiest, most repugnant part of those, their lives. And if you will wash each other's feet, then, then you get it then you're going to be like me. What does he mean? What he means is we are to be willing to put up with crap. Literally, that's what was on their feet. We should not run from people's lives because there's junk in their life. They're not treating us perfectly enough. They're not ideal enough. God says, I want you to wash their feet. What that means is, take on whatever is the ugliest, dirtiest, most unpleasant, most odoriferous part of their life and get in and help them with it. We are called to be in community, not because community is going to be so perfect. We're called to be a part of community because it is through engaging with imperfection that we learn to love and become capable of loving even a perfect God. It is through serving each other that our freedom has meaning. It's about embracing the ugliest parts of others and not rejecting them for it. If someone visits this church and there is some part of their life that is not perfect, you know what most people come in? They're like, do, how, how far do I have to hide this in order to be accepted? What do I have to do? You know, how, how, how deeply do I have to hide my imperfections in order to be accepted? And that's how people enter into, you know, junior high, right? They go around trying to figure out how much of myself do I have to hide to be accepted here? 
to be loved here. Now, I'm not teaching that sin should be celebrated. We don't celebrate sin, but we don't reject people for having it. If someone comes here, I don't care what is in their past. I want them to be accepted. Someone asked me the other day, you know, they said, hey, I live this particular lifestyle. Will I be accepted at your church? My answer was, absolutely, we will accept everyone. We do not affirm everything. We still teach what the Bible says. But you and whoever comes with you is welcome. We love each other and we do not reject. We need to be a community where we reckon, you know, I don't have to hide everything. And you know what? As, as you don't, then, then they help wash each other and we each grow towards a more godly life. Clothe yourselves in humility towards one another, 1 Peter 5. I'll close with a few less, more random ones. Do not judge one another. Do not put a stumbling block in your brother's way. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 5 says, Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your self-control. Talking to husbands and wives, saying it is not right to deprive each other of sex except by mutual consent. Somebody asked, well, how long is okay? Let's read it again. Do not deprive each other except for by mutual consent and for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer and fasting and then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. How long can you fast? The Bible says the time that you could pray and fast by mutual agreement is about right. We'll leave it at that. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2. Speak truth to one another, Ephesians 4.25. Don't lie to one another, Colossians 3.9. Conform, comfort, excuse me, one another concerning the resurrection, 1 Thessalonians 4.18. Encourage and build one another up. Hebrews 10.24, I'm going to close with this one. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We are called to community to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. We're called to be a messy group of people whose goal is to inspire each other to go forward and accomplish good deeds for the glory of God. That's it. Our community, it's not required to be perfect, well-oiled, flawless machine. No, God says that literally overlooking the faults and problems that you have and loving anyway caring anyway. That is literally the exercise of love. And if you don't do that 
in community, you can't love a perfect God. I used to struggle with understanding, well, why can't I love a perfect God without dealing with bozos? Until I understood, love is selflessness. How can I love a perfect God from whom I receive perfect perfection in a selfless way? It doesn't... When, if it was just me and God, my selfishness would not be exposed. What God is saying is, isn't that it's impossible to love him. What he's saying is, you don't see whether it's really love or not because there is no imperfection there. It's that selflessness, the willingness to overlook flaws is what defines true love. So, whether or not you are capable of true love is only obvious in how you love flawed people. And if you want to love God, your, the sincerity of your love towards him is only seen by how you overlook the flaws in others. Well, let's close with, with prayer. God... We thank you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have designed us and you have designed this world in such a perfect way that when we pursue what you ask of us, ultimately we benefit. And we thank you for it. I just pray that you would use these words to inspire us to set aside the petty things that we have allowed to create walls and barriers between the people in our lives. We recognize we are called to live in community, and I pray that you will speak to each and every one of us through the Holy Spirit, demonstrating which walls we need to tear down so that we can step forward and move upward in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today and you know that your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God, that you have been forgiven, and you would go to heaven if you died today, raise your hand. If you looked around and you saw that, and you're like, well, how do they know? The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Elsewhere, Scripture says, know that you have salvation. We don't simply hope, we know. If you aren't sure about where you stand with God, whether that's because you have never asked for his forgiveness or because you may have so long ago, but you stepped away, you walked away, you, you lived for yourself, and you wonder, Am I, have I come back? You can know that you are right. And I want to give you that opportunity, also those of you online, if you just close your eyes just for a moment, if you're here and you want to be certain that you are right with God, you want to make that step today, I want to ask you to raise your hand. I see one, and there may be others online. Let's repeat this prayer together. Say it with me. Say, Dear God, I believe that you love me, that you forgive me, that you died on the cross and rose from the dead so that my sin could be forgiven. 
I choose to live for you. I accept your gift of forgiveness and eternal life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, we have a gift down here. Um, I'd love to meet you who raised your hand at the front. I have a little booklet I'd like to give you. Um, Also, if you did that online, please send us a a note. You can put it in the comments. You can send us a private message. Um, However you would like, we also would like to get you um, a gift as well. 